Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another edition of DNF. I'm Jessica Smetana. He's Spencer Hall. And we have a new Formula One driver's champion. Woo! Yay! Who is it? Uh, it's Max Verstappen, no. and that's all we have to say about that. No. There's so much more to talk about, Spencer. Actually, before we move on, I do want to ask you, what was more anticlimactic, Max winning the Drivers' Championship in the sprint race in Qatar because Sergio Perez DNF'd, or Max Verstappen winning last year in Japan after no one knew exactly whether or not he won because they only raced like half of the laps or whatever and he got half points. What which one was more anticlimactic to you? I think this year because it was the next one. They get more and more anticlimactic the deeper <laughs> we go into this run. Okay. So I would say that. The funnier one was last year, right? It was pretty funny. Although che- Checo bombing out of the sprint does have a, a little sort of like a little susan of irony there, right? Like it does. how did Red Bull do this weekend? Well, there was some good news and some bad news. Well, one of them won the championship, and the other one is now meeting with a sports psychologist because he is driving so poorly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a little anticlimactic because they still had to race on Sunday. Like, it wasn't like, mm-hmm. you know, if it had at least happened on Sunday in the middle of the race, then I think it's easier to like have a celebration. But it was like. <laughs> Just on Saturday, I, I don't think the Saturday races get as high of ratings as the Sunday races. I know they're like trying the new format with the sprint shootout and everything like that. So mm-hmm. it was just a very like, oh, okay, that happened. But like we all knew it was going to happen anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Like the definition of anticlimax is the current standings for the constructors' championship. Red Bull has six hundred and fifty-seven points, and Mercedes has three hundred and twenty-six. 326 that's that's a lot more that's that's double that's double what mercedes and it's, it's has pretty much all max at this point in the last three races sergio perez has only scored five points to verstappen verstappen's 69 mm-hmm. uh so yeah that's it's a lot of points it's a lot of points for verstappen and red bull yeah which which leaves us to find of course 
drama for the rest of the season. Um, just in case guys going 195 miles an hour in, in cars aren't enough. If that's not enough danger for you. And we will talk about that in a minute. Okay. Mm. And about what that means for drivers to be in peril and what the correct degree of peril is. Let's talk about it now. Yeah. So this is Cutter is um, the track itself, low sail, I believe is how you pronounce it. Not the most fun experience for drivers. Mm. Drivers, go, this is a necessarily a stressful position to be in as an F1 driver. Like they are not just athletes, but to some extent they are endurance athletes because they are in stressful positions for long periods of time in extreme conditions. It was 31 degrees Celsius at the track uh, with, I believe, 70% humidity. Can you translate that into American for me? It's like uh, 88 degrees or something like that, right? Yeah, we're looking at um, Houston. That's it. This is, if you want to know what it would feel like, <laughs> it would feel like, imagine Houston, but sandy, mm, right? Okay. With, a, with a fair amount of grit in the air. Um, and at a race where, Jessica, there were some unusual conditions in terms of how the race had to be run. Okay. Sunday. Have you seen what the pyramid curbs look like up close? Because They're I huge. I heard about them like all day yeah. on Saturday. And I was like, okay, what, is that, what does this actually mean? This is a pyramid curb. If you're watching this on YouTube, like this is what the problem was. These are like daggers sticking mm -hmm. out of the ground on the curb causing all sorts of issues for Pirelli and for Formula One this weekend. Um, but that's not even like the most dangerous part of the circuit. And they had to make some adjustments because of the tires, which I know we'll talk about. But mm -hmm. okay, go on with your with your point, Spencer, because you have a, a, an interesting angle on all of this, I think. Right. So we had to run a three-stop race due to limitations on the tire and the curbs because what do F1 drivers do at every point? They look for an advantage, right? Mm -hmm. They look to not exceed track limits, but to come as close to them as possible without exceeding them, uh, so, which some drivers were less than successful uh, right. at on Sunday. And Saturday. And Saturday. <laughs> it's, just an, it's just an issue there when you're talking about these... Deleting massive, lap times. These massive spiky hillocks that they're going to take these they're you know, so multi-million dollar race cars over at extremely high speeds. You're going to shred some tires. Um, even if there aren't structural issues with the tires, which there were issues with the tire itself holding together. Right. The right. explanation that I read is like so far over my tiny unscientific head. Um, but essentially like the frequency, like the sound frequency that occurred when the tires went over these pyramid curbs was like the exact type of frequency to cause like this failure of the integrity of the tire itself like it wasn't like mm -hmm. oh they're they're spiky and they're causing like punctures all over what something like that like it was like a an issue in in the frequency is that is that right it, it's something close to right it it's, sounds it, crazy it, it's it, it almost gets into nikola tesla territory and yeah nikola, and that's... nikola tesla thought he had he had a machine that could hit the resonant frequency of a building too that much. would bring the whole thing it's down. Too much. I it's watched like, the Prestige, and I still don't know what that guy's deal was. Right, like that, but for a tire. Right, that's what we're talking about. One of the examples that I thought was the only one that made sense to me was like an opera singer singing a song at a 
a pitch high enough to crack glass. That was mm -hmm. what it was described as on Mist Apex. And I was like, I think I get that. I didn't know that was an actual real thing and not something that just happens on cartoons. But I, I get I get the sentiment here. That is that is, by the way, such an F1 owner's way of understanding it. You know, like when you're at the opera, yeah? And you're holding <laughs> a fine glass of champagne, yes. And the singer, she sings so loud that it just shatters it and it goes all over your tux. And your then you drive $5 home. $5 million dollar tux. Yeah, and you drive home in your Lamborghini and go, yeah. ah, what, it's ah, ruined. Ah, mamma mia, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is, to return to w where I think we need to go in this discussion, there's a lot of, of hue and cry about the conditions. At this mm -hmm. track, I don't think anyone particularly enjoys this track a whole lot, except for Fernando Alonso, who um, appeared to be totally fine. Well, he did ask the uh, pit crew. He, he asked his engineer if the pit crew could dump water on his ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> during a pit stop, at at one point, I believe. Anything. Um, he was begging he, for anything. He was like, please please dump water on my ass because my ass is on fire. I am paraphrasing here, but it was yeah. essentially along those lines. Yeah. And post-race, this obviously took a lot out of the drivers. Logan Sargent, who per James Falls was fine before the race and displayed no signs of illness during the race became so sick and so overwhelmed in the conditions that he retired. Yeah. And, it, by the way, retired after sticking it out for a while. To to Sergeant's to Sergeant's credit, he, there were it did not seem like an easy out for him. No, Volz was like, "Hey, do you want to retire?" And he said, "No, no." And then eventually said, "Yeah, no, man, I, I got to go." And he's from Florida. That's how humid right. it was. I mean, he moved to Europe when he was like fourteen, but still. Yeah. Very humid conditions. Yeah. I, I felt a little bad listening to that interaction over his radio because he's had a, a pretty atrocious uh, stint with Williams and has, has crashed this weekend, had, has had a lot of crashes. And you could tell he didn't want to like, you know, I, I don't want to say give up, but that is like the, I think the athlete mentality is that you're giving up at that point. But like, it's incredibly dangerous to be, you know, on the verge of passing out, driving a expensive car very fast. Yeah. Furthermore, you saw drivers doing something I usually, I haven't seen very often. Yeah, opening, opening the visors. visors. Yes. Yuki Sonoda said when he opened his, he got like a face full of sand, but they were just like desperate for a draft. Right. They couldn't win. They couldn't yeah. win. If they opened their visor, they got a face full of sand. Uh, Lance Stroll, I thought had a very, uh, I thought he had a very eye-opening interview after the race regarding the condition saying that um, when he was going that for the last 20 laps or so, they could barely see. Um, That's good. Just due to sweat getting in your eyes, I imagine there had to be condensation on the inside of that helmet. After a while, visibility was a nightmare. That's not something you want when you're driving a race car. Yeah, And if All you're right. Esteban Ocon, there's puke inside your helmet because apparently he vomited on himself 15 I, laps in, which sounds well, <laughs> horrible. Not that he should have to race in these conditions. But shouts out to Esteban Ocon for for finishing in the top ten while puking in your helmet. That's crazy. Like that, mm -hmm. I I hate puke. I would never. I don't think. I mean, I would never last in Formula One for like a thousand different reasons. Um, but puking inside a like tight helmet mm -hmm. <laughs> sounds like one of the worst possible things that a person would have to endure for over an hour. 
Yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a NASA grade problem. If you it's want to know so how bad. bad it is, yeah, it's like <laughs> things that you worry about when you're talking about astronauts and space travel. That's yeah. what you're talking about. It's so gross. It's gross, but uh, but man, you toughed it out. Well, well done, Esteban Ocon. Uh, and after the race, you saw Lance Stroll get out and immediately leaned on an ambulance. Like was yeah. just like walked over. Like okay, listen, I need a minute. Uh, drivers were obviously exhausted. Albon was. Um, wiped after the race um you saw guys laying on the floor after the race and this led to a discussion of all right is this even safe to have these guys racing in these conditions mm -hmm. all right um which you know you don't have to tweet let's just review the the policies here jessica no one has to tweet it's not necessary never post as i like to say um as i post yes if you got doubt in your heart don't tweet. Yeah. And I say that for a number of reasons. One, no risk taken and uh, nothing to earn. Simply like nobody's going to give you a large check for a tweet. It's not going to happen. Right. So just if, if you feel hesitant at all, don't tweet. And that goes for Martin Brundle, who, you know, by the way, I, I love Martin Brundle. Like Martin Brundle's absolutely hilarious. He's an integral part of the broadcast experience. He's like, you have to respect him for you know his deep racing experience and the amount that he knows about f1 which is like five million times more than uh, anyone on this podcast or listening to this podcast knows like just a dude is an encyclopedia of f1 knowledge mm -hmm. so when he says this he says it from a place of knowledge and maybe not insight which is <laughs> it's races like cutter and very rainy days which make f1 drivers look like the heroes and athletes they are absolutely don't buy into the weak view that we shouldn't put them through this kind of challenge. Check out Senna in Brazil, Stewart at Rainy Nürburgring, Lauda post crash, etc., etc. Hmm. I want to say that Martin's half right here. Okay, He's half which, right. Which half? That part of the sport's intrigue and appeal is risk and endurance. Like, I think those two things are super important to the equation. And I don't, I don't want to say like, oh, that's cool. I like putting people in, you know, 50 degrees Celsius boxes for my entertainment. That's not the point. Okay. I don't ever want it to cross over into sadism, right. For, for, for my entertainment. That's what right? we have college football for. <laughs> Correct. That's what we have football. That's what we have MMA for. Right. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, it would be very weird to see somebody making this. And I, if I went on there making this point, you know, oh, God, we have to protect the drivers. And if I see a single UFC tweet on there, I'll be like, mm, mm, sure about that. But I think he's half right. I don't think it's I don't think that the, that racing in, in Cutter is good for the drivers at all. I mean, I, I think it's absolutely disastrous. And I think that there should be allowances, especially when it comes to hydration. I don't think they have. They, I don't think they have hydration systems in the helmets that are necessarily up to speed. I think yeah, they have like the little straws that, and there are issues with them that we see like all the time. Like if one right. of them falls or something and then they can't get water for a race. Yeah. We can't figure out a decent hydration system for drivers. That seems it, dumb. It seems like that should be a weight allowance. Like you should yeah. be allowed like, okay guys, like build a car that's at least semi-humane in terms of how we're going to hydrate drivers. That's, Every other sport has elaborate, overly elaborate systems devoted to hydration. Like, yeah. we, especially like, like consider, you know, football, consider what we have uh, for basketball, 
baseball, soccer. Soccer, we have water breaks, right? right? Like, that's what we had in Cutter. Cutter, like, that's, if you want to know the most, like, my biggest complaint here is to go, why can't we figure out a way to, like, adequately hydrate a driver during a race, okay? Because because we did it for soccer in the same environment. That but was we that. also, they, they hosted the World Cup, like, two months later than they normally, well, I guess, like, four months yeah. later than they normally do because of the weather conditions there. Like, they, they started the World Cup in November last year. Right. Um, and I, I do know that next year this race is on the schedule in November or it might even be in December. I can't remember exactly what the date is, but it's later in the year, I think, with the hope that the conditions will not be um, quite as horrendously hot and humid. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think when it comes to like the appeal of Formula One and and risk and endurance being a part of it, like I think it kind of depends who you ask. Like I, I wonder yeah. if like the newer Formula One fans have a different um a different relationship to like the danger in F1 to ones that have been a fan since it was much more dangerous since yeah. they're ha like, you know, they're in like the most recent formula one seasons, like they've made huge strides in terms of safety of the car and adding the halo and all of these other things. And then I think to have like someone as prominent as Martin Brundle advocate, not, not necessarily advocate for, for risk, but to call it weak to, be risk averse i think as a fan that's that's is the, that's where, the trigger word here right like that's where i feel like he's out of touch with what mo modern f1 fans want and what f1 should be like who f1 f1 should be appealing to if they want to grow because i think there is a, mm -hmm. a limit to how many fans you can attract to a sport where you're acknowledging that like the people like the stars of the sport are in constant danger all the time yeah. and that's where i'm like ah, he he lost me there like do i think that formula one should be like take out all variables to make it everything the same and to make everything like completely risk averse like i don't think that's possible and, and like, right. i joke about football but i think football is a great example of like it's inherently dangerous there have been lots of changes to the sport in the last 50 years uh, there's been lots of changes to support in the last like two years and how it's mm -hmm. officiated to try to make it safer. But I don't know if it's ever going to be quote unquote safe for players to play it. And that's like, that's like a question that I think people who watch it have to ask themselves when they watch it, like how comfortable, like what's your, what's your comfort threshold for like the danger you're willing to watch people put themselves in for your entertainment. And I would just venture to guess that like, as, we as time moves on and like safety precautions get better and we have more knowledge of like adverse health effects like that threshold gets lower and lower and instead of getting higher and higher yeah like martin brundle committed to his racing career at the age of 12. when he was 12 <laughs> that's crazy that was the year 1971 which means that martin brundle's understanding of risk in formula one and and what he at one point in his life accepted, included a very real chance of death. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like right. the killer, the killer years are real. Right. And Martin Brundle thought, right, I'm good with that. And those people were going to be racing anyway. As a spectator, you carry a like a smidge of that kind of hazard to say, all right, what I'm watching is inherently dangerous. Mm -hmm. How dangerous? It's not about me. These people are willing to accept that. I have to accept whether I'm willing to watch it and like have my viewing dollars and or interest and views support that. Right. And 
in the case of something like Cutter, I'm like, but just listen, I'm okay with the idea that you're taking risks by driving at high speed. I am. Like, that's part of the thrill. Um, I'm willing to watch somebody push themselves to the limit. I do it in all kinds of sports. Do I want it to be as safe as possible? Yeah. Do I understand that, like, once in a blue moon, there's going to be a lightning strike where they go over that edge? Sure, sure. Do I think it's stupid to race in the middle of the desert when you can't figure out how to hydrate a driver? Yeah, that's that's <laughs> dumb that we haven't that we haven't made allowances that you have a sport that spends this much money and this much wind tunnel time on creating the perfect machine and you don't have some sort of allowance for everybody to have a basic way of getting the driver a drink during a race. Like everybody's everybody's improving and that that to me seems wild that it's that far down on the list. I guess what I'm advocating for is like a slightly more humane sense of engineering yeah. when it comes to the car. Well, I think that like Mar what what Martin like where Martin Brundle's coming from is a point of view of like you have no idea like the conditions that I've raced in mm -hmm. just from like a engineering standpoint, like how dangerous it is. So to hear drivers like to use a British term, whinging about being hot is like a little like silly. And I think that's where like you have to ask yourself like what you know maybe maybe to some people it's like okay it's just hot like who cares but i think you have to actually like consider the risks of losing control of your car in a high-speed corner because you've passed out from dehydration or exhaustion or whatever right heat stroke and like how risky that really is is comparable to any sort of engineering malfunction right like we're talking about drivers yeah. going over 100 miles an hour into a turn and not being able to a like breathe properly because mm -hmm. you know you're you're pulling G's constantly when you're like adjusting the speed and the velocity of these cars and also like not able to see properly and not able to get like the basic like uh, biological things you need into your body to stay awake <laughs> because yeah. you're so hot like it's not like an imaginary like Oh, they're crying about being hot. Like these, these is like a, at some point, like you can develop a medical condition. Like it, it's very, very serious. So I think that like the, the descriptor of weak is a hundred percent missing the point in all of this. Like it is not weak to pass out from heat stroke. Like it is a medical condition. <laughs> it's, it's wild for me that it's wild for me that, that, that people don't consider that and that you are a collateral risk to everyone on the track. Exactly. If that's yeah. not taken care exactly. of. Exactly. Yeah. That's I think that's, that's like the other, point, the other big thing is like, yeah, you could you could lose control of your car and it could hurt someone else like, yeah. grievously. So I don't know. I mean, this is like one of those situations where I don't remember like hearing the drivers complaining about the temperature before the race. Like it didn't seem like there was any like there have been safety situations like Saudi Arabia last year where drivers had a meeting the night before a race because there was a missile strike, uh, I think like a mile or so away from the track and players were really concerned about their safety and they had like a caucus and they ended up racing. And I remember then a ton of F1 media and journalists kind of arguing about like the the safety and all of these things and whether or not they should have raced. And, and I don't think that happened this weekend because I think that the conditions on Sunday were partially exacerbated by the three pit strategy that all of the teams had to do because of the pyramid curve. So like there are certain aspects of it that a hundred percent could have been prevented. Um, like the, the circuit having curbs that cause like this high frequency, like vibration or whatever that screws up the tires is something that like 
maybe they could have tested for it beforehand. I'm not exactly sure. I'm not, I, I know this circuit has been mm -hmm. sort of revamped and remodeled since the last time they raced there. Um, but yeah, there are certainly things that made it worse than what it had to be. Like it was not just the weather. It was also the fact that the drivers were, there was no tire management in this race. They were going flat out. I mean, I think Oscar Piastri said that it was basically like doing a qualifying lap every single lap because after 18 laps, they had to pit. So there was just no opportunity to really like put it in, you know, cruise control and just manage tires. They, they were just going so fast the entire time on on these fresh tires and uh, that i think was a variable that it was like it was like a perfect storm of shit mm -hmm. and the drivers had to deal with a lot this weekend luckily no one got hurt but i i do think that like these are certainly things that need to be considered in the future when it comes to temperature when it comes to like i, I don't think f1 will ever do like a mandatory pit thing i don't think that that works i don't think it made the race better or more interesting i think it mm -hmm. actually like caused a little bit less um, excitement than there could have been. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was interesting to see the response from, from certain people in the sport about this, because I don't know if they're on the same page with a lot of what, you know, fans want to see. Yeah. Additionally, this is a problem that's not going away. It's not like anything's getting any cooler. Yeah. Right. It's only going to be, this is going to happen in Montreal next year because uh -huh. we are in hell, literally. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> On a, on a happy transition, uh, shall we take some uh, listener Q&As? Yeah, we should do that. Or some listener Qs and see if we can provide them with the A's. We should, uh, we should solicit listener A's at some point. And then we think of what the Q was. Maybe a little like Jeopardy style. How mm. about that? Um, you know what? I'm going to talk about a positive since we just spent a long time using about danger and potential negatives of the sport. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. From Dakota Moyer, are we prepared to talk about how good Oscar Piastri might be? So I know Oscar's getting comfy, and this is how I know Oscar's getting comfy. And it's not just race finishes, because obviously, consistently lurking around the top three and four, that's easy. I can show you that. Everyone can see that's right up there on the podium, okay? What I can't show you is the clip that I saw of him post-race when uh, he asked about the George Russell, Lewis Hamilton <laughs> uh, brouhaha. And yeah. when he found out that George had uh, accidentally wrecked Lewis, and it was an accident, they hashed it out, and Lewis admitted fault in the, rate, in the crash. When he found out about it, Oscar Piastri, the rookie, made this noise. Ha ha ha! George can do anything. 
But who, who caused it at the start? Lewis and George. George couldn't have done anything else. What, was it Lewis and George that crashed? Yeah. <sighs> wow. Thank you, Mercedes. <laughs> He's got a funny sense of humor. I will say, I like the meme of him where he's like making a face at the camera that always pops up here and there. Okay, my thing about Oscar Piastri is that I wanna answer that question with a statement, which is that Lando Norris needs to win a race. (laughs) He needs to win a race. Daniel Ricciardo beat him to it at McLaren, which is like crazy considering how things have gone since that Monza race. And now Piastri has beat him to it at McLaren. It was a sprint race, but still like Lando needs to win something because Oscar Piastri is very, very good. That is a fact. Um, He's real good. And he's on a team, by the way, if you want to know how things are generally going for McLaren and how good they're going. McLaren, after starting off the season dead on the water, is currently... Just 11 small points behind Aston Martin. But Aston Martin, who we swore, like, ah, there there you go. They're going to be, like, the number three team. We're good. Well, mm. I, I think that there's more to say about Lance Stroll there than there is to say about Aston Martin, like, as a car. Like, did yeah. they, did they like, front load their development? Yes. McLaren did, like, kind of the opposite of that. And, like, Aston Martin hasn't been able to keep up. But also, if they had, like, a – if they – I mean, if half of a – half of the production that Lando or Oscar could get you in that car, like, I, I think that gap would be bigger right now. Like, they would have – they would have scored a lot more points at the beginning of the season. Mm. Um, a very serious follow-up to that thought, Jessica, which is mm. from uh, Will 2108 Who would be more competitive in the second Aston Martin seat against Fernando? Um, <laughs> and these are some great candidates. Thank you for a serious question, Will. Uh, Wario, two kids <laughs> in a trench coat, Tom Cruise, or Lance Stroll? I Wario. mean, obviously Wario. Mm, I could admit he's not fitting in the cockpit, though. Really? His head's oh, too yeah. big. No, no, no. He's he's a thick boy, right? Like I, I race. Is he? Wario. He's got that fullback build, so he's not getting in the car. Wario, weight. Mm-hmm. Whoa, he's three hundred and eight pounds. Yeah, he's he's a thick boy. One hundred and forty yeah. kilograms for our European listeners. Yeah, he's built like a defensive tackle, so he ain't making it in the car. Second, no, but kids. he's no, no, no. He said it's just his clothes, according to the Wario World instructions. Well, War, you can't trust what Wario says, Jessica. He's not a reliable narrator in his own story. <laughs> if we put um, on a race suit, he might. Right, I'm, I'm telling you. He's, so you're going with Tom Cruise because he's little, then. Little guy. Uh, the two kids in a trench coat. Um, <laughs> that's awkward, and I don't trust the communication there. You know, because famously the two kids in a trench coat wobble as they walk because right. it's very obvious. Well, there's one they're... kid with the hands on the pedals and one kid with steering, right? Yeah, and that's just, that's too much. This, you know, you need too much coordination between the clutch and the, yeah. yeah. I know the clutch is up here, but like you still need enough power for the pedals. And you have to stomp on that brake in an F1 car. Like you mm-hmm. have really got to apply force. So I don't trust the kids. Um, I don't bet against Tom Cruise because Tom Cruise is insane. I think he could learn how to drive an F1 car well if he's if he set his mind to it. Like it, maybe even like give him six months. Like he he jumps off cliff sides and parachutes himself to safety. Mm-hmm. Like he, for, yeah, for fun. at the age of like what sixty two. Yeah, he's like old. He's the he's the right height and weight. I I just googled it. He's five seven. 
perfect. Buck 65. Yep. Pretty little guy. Probably probably comparable size to a few F1 drivers. Um, could definitely fit in the car. I don't know. I still go with Wario just because he's got like the mental capacity to. I think mm-hmm. he would drive like Verstappen. I think he just needs to maybe, you know, change change his look, change his outfit a little bit. He would either drive like Verstappen or like Kimi. It's one or, <laughs> it's one or the other, and nothing in between. That's a great question, though. I but none of us picked. Neither of us picked Lance Stroll. That's that's the bad. That's the bad the, part of it. Well, how's this? Do you take the do you take the mediocrity that you know or the mediocrity that you don't know? Um, it's I more think, upside if I take the yeah. one I don't know. I agree with you. I think it'd be funnier if Tom Cruise did it or if Wario did it than Lance Stroll because Lance Stroll at this point, like I, I, I do feel bad. Like there was a, I think the whole like controversy over the weather and the heat and everything kind of made the Lance Stroll side uh issue from saturday disappear a little bit like he he shoved a engineer in in the paddock after he got out of his car and it didn't look good he didn't look happy he was giving like pretty short answers to the press like it was just uh, like bottom bottom barrel vibes for lance stroll yep and uh nico rosberg wouldn't have done that yeah nico rosberg uh when asked about it uh said there was no excuse for it just, just un- like completely uh, no patience whatsoever when, when asked about that. Um, yeah, I tend to agree. There's absolutely no reason, especially when, I don't know, man, you, you've had every advantage. And you could have had a top 10 finish, but had to serve a penalty on the race mm-hmm. and ended up finishing out of the points. Just that's the thing that's not working about that team right now. That's That's it. Engineers? Did their job, you know. Other driver did their job. Management has done their job. Well, that includes his dad, who I don't know yeah. how you evaluate that. That's that's it's it's Part a cut it's a cut <laughs> it's a cutthroat business, and we're about to, we're about to test the limits of exactly how cutthroat it can be. Who gets let go of their nepo baby job first, Lance or Brian Ferens? Uh, for those who don't know, Brian Ferentz is the offensive coordinator at the University of Iowa, who is the son of the head coach and whose offense is not just bad, but historically bad. And he is the manager in charge of it. Who gets let go first? I say Lance Stroll, because I don't think Iowa's ever going to get rid of that man. It's not happening. I know contractually they're obligated to right now, but they're just going to do something like, yeah, he's no longer offensive coordinator. He's often co-offensive coordinator. What is like that like quality control? Yeah, they'll, <laughs> they'll slide him over the quality control. Yeah, assistant, assistant to the offensive court, assistant passing game coordinator. It's like some yeah. some bananas clipboard, right? Just something. Uh, okay, um, I had a question that I wanted to ask you. Let me find it. Not F one, but it's Fat Bear Week, Spencer. I just found out what Fat Bear Week was like mm-hmm. a week ago. I don't know how it's something that's like evaded my periphery for um, I don't know how many years that they've been doing Fat Bear Week. A, my question out of this statement is, can you explain what Fat Bear Week is to the audience if they don't know? And I assume this is something that you probably talk about on the full cast. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. This is okay. a little bit of a little bit of bleed over. Um, Formula One driver most likely to participate in Fat Bear Week. It's Valtteri. Yeah, okay, that was an obvious one. I mean, it's in the woods. 
right? He's Finnish. He loves national he, parks. Loves he obviously loves you know loves like cycling. And by the way, you'd have to cycle to get into Katmai National Park because you can't drive there. There are no roads. Mm. Absolutely no roads. Katmai National Park, if you don't know, is in Alaska. It is massive. Um, it's I think like it might be bigger than Rhode Island. It's just this tremendous national park filled with bears and at this point in the year the bears all decide to fatten up as much as possible for the upcoming hibernation and the staff at national park service katmai decided to make a fat bear competition where they would gauge um who had been the biggest and fluffiest who had been the most successful uh hibernation prep bear of all who could binge on the most salmon <laughs> and they get people to vote on that in a bracket. It was very clever. I'm glad that uh, the people in Washington managed to come to some agreement as to what our budget should look like, because for a while, the fat bear contest was threatened by that. And that was actually like my second biggest concern with, you know, government shutdown was, OK, there's a lot of bad stuff that will happen. In addition to that, what about the fat bear? Contest? Right. Does like the social media person for fat bear week get furloughed, right? Yeah, yeah, they would. So Probably. you wouldn't be able to have that. Right? To me, that's an essential government position up there with like air traffic controllers and these tweets. That's pretty are much it. Of, yeah, these tweets are a matter of national interest. <laughs> it's really what we're looking at here. All the boxes in Mar-a-Lago, it was in, Intel on the Fat Bears for the next yeah next season yeah. of Fat Bear Week. Um, I did think the other guy who would, I really want to do well with uh, Fat Bear Week would be Charles Leclerc. Not that he's like inherent or, you know, inherently like vulnerable to bloat or to weight gain. It's just that I too saw that Photoshop of him as an NASCAR driver called Chucky LeClerc. Chucky uh, LeClerc. Where he was a good like 70 pounds heavier. And I was like, I don't know, bro. You look pretty cool like that, actually. Yeah. yeah he didn't look, great. he, it was kind of like if he were, <coughs> him and Wario had yeah. a baby. To go back to a previous question. Listen, Wario's 100% a resident of <laughs> of Monaco. Like, he lives in Monte Carlo. He is evading all of his taxes. <laughs> um, I, listen, somebody's been watching Cars 2, and I appreciate this. This is from uh, He Was Sleep. Can we have an international race of champions-esque series with F1 drivers so we can see who's really feeling the need for speed? If you don't know what I'm talking about, Cars 2. I don't. I've never seen a Cars. Okay, so watch the first one because it's a good movie. Okay. Don't watch the second one. I did that. I made the mistake. Um, it, it is, it, it's the only children's movie I know that features a car torture scene. Oh. Um, yeah, Pixar got weird for a minute. I, I think somebody was going through something at that point. But Cars 2 does have a race setup where it's like a rally car, an F1 car, uh, a NASCAR and uh, a grand Prix, a GP car, um, a couple of different kinds of cars, and they all race on each other's setups. Mm, okay. So it's like a dirt race, like a rally car race with an F1 car competing. And then there is a NASCAR race with a rally car competing, <laughs> right? Um, so it's all these bizarre setups. But I would love to see what F1 drivers would be capable of if we just keep switching up the vehicles, right? Yeah, I loved like when my in the first Miami race before that Yuki and Max, I believe, went out and raced swamp buggies, which are these. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Never. And, and Yuki, Yuki, by the way, won 
Because, I don't know, right. Mikey's the better swamp buggy driver. Hey, I mean, I don't think, like, F1 driving talent necessarily translates to, like, every type of vehicle, right? Like, I think if I raced my Honda Accord versus Max Verstappen in my Honda Accord, like, I am winning that race. I know how that baby moves, and I know how it hits corners, all right? You think... He he won't have a clue how to drive You that. don't... So, I'm, I'm going to revisit this. Let's just rewind this for the listener. <laughs> Jessica Smetana... Uh, what, Honda, like what model year are we talking here? I think it's like 2009, I want to say. You have a 2009 Honda Civic? Accord. The big, Accord. Oh, Civic's oh, okay. a little, little changes guy. everything. Accord, I got a big ass trunk. <laughs> Don't take that out of context. Okay. So if you have a 2009 Honda Accord, mm-hmm. you believe that all things being equal, you beat Max Verstappen. On a, in a time trial, in a time trial. If I'm going from my nail appointment to my hair appointment, there is not a single race car driver, Formula One race car driver on earth who will get to point A to point, from point A to point B faster than me. In my I, I still got Max in this. So we're going to see if we can set this up. Okay. <laughs> Call right. Christian, get him on the phone. All I have to do is talk shit. That's all it'll take. <laughs> I have to just tell Christian. I'll be like, my girl thinks she can take your driver. He'll be like, oh, spollocks me. Max Verstappen driving on these Miami roads, like these conditions in this country, I, I, in I that car, think, there's no shot. The lack of respect for the absolute lunatics these people are on and off the track. You don't me, respect my lunacy, Spencer. That's <laughs> You know what? That's your problem. Granted, granted, I need... I need evidence, so this is partially why I'm I want running to set late this up. for a haircut. All right. Mm-hmm. You think Max just doesn't understand the stress? You like don't. You possibly... don't understand the stress. That's that's true. I get like three haircuts a year, <laughs> and one of them was last week. Shout out to Spencer's haircut. Shout out to the haircut. Yeah. <laughs> as as smooth and as slick as AlphaTauri racing, and with about as many wins per year. <laughs> maybe I'm sorry, podiums. Maybe one less guy will make fun of your appearance this week on that's good i had some guy i had some guy who said that uh, he saw a younger picture of me and goes that's what he's like oh okay well that's at least what josh gad's gonna look like in middle <laughs> and this dude straight up fucking looks like buster he looks what? like buster scruggs like he looks like he and i was like okay buster scruggs i don't even think i know what you look like when you were younger i think i i met you at a point in your life where you I have, have- You've always oh, looked like this. I can just, I can, hold on. I can, Spencer I can help Hall you Hall Young. Hold on. I can help you out here. All right. This show is, me. I'm going to help you out. It's I'm not on go Google. I, no, it is not. It is not. But I can help you because there's a picture from what I think is the 2008 cocktail party, I believe. Oh, and I'm going to paste into the chat. Who knows whether this makes the show, Doug? There we go. So much suspense. Wow. Eh, you you know, it does look like you, but without a beard. Yeah. Same thing. But, um, yeah. Wow. But that that is what I Covering like. up a sharp jawline. It, people don't believe it. <laughs> they don't. Uh, but um, do we have time for one more question while you while you ponder the visage of a ghost of me from the past i have been staring at this for two minutes let's answer this one okay from jc andrag is perez in a genuine meltdown now this is um 
this is actually answering three or four different questions we've seen about Sergio and about Checo's performance down the stretch. And the answer is an obvious yes, because while his teammate and the rest of the team is soaring along, Checo is <sighs> spiraling. Yeah. Absolutely spiraling. And this race, it's not like like coming into this race, you go, okay, he's got to have a good weekend. And then he got three separate, three separate time penalties. <laughs> three for um I believe exceeding track limits. He had a breach which, of uh, Yeah, which a bunch of people got. Yeah, he had a breach of uh Park Ferrum regulations. Um <laughs> which is just he got hit for every ticky tack thing. Yeah. Um, in, in part due to the tires. That was what Sergio Perez believed was the uh was the cause. But like it's his performance as of late has been so disappointing and in what Christian Horner called himself a shocker. A shocker that, and a, a spiral. It said you he had a horrible weekend. You don't want to hear word, that horrible. as word. Spiral or shocker. Yeah. yeah. They said that they they really need to have like a sit down with him and figure out what's going wrong. That was the that was the Christian Horner line on it after the race on Sunday. Um, they're also racing in North America the next three races, I believe. There's only like less than a handful of races left, Spencer. Like this this third of the season, I feel like has flown by. But um, yeah, like maybe coming back to his more of his like home turf, being closer to home, will help him. I'm not sure. I hope so. I'm not I sure. Really I really hope so. Like, I don't think, because I don't speak for you. I love Checo. I like him a lot. I I have no issues with him. I love love when he is at his combative best. I think he's one of the most entertaining drivers just to watch in the way he handles a race. Something's not working. And and I think, like, it's, it's very hard for me. I know that technically... He's pointed to one. He's pointed to a couple of different things, including of all things, his seating position. He said, "Oh, I was I was sitting too low in the car." Uh-huh. And typically, like you're in your own head when you go, "Well, I'm sitting too low." Now, yeah. too high. like I, he's not comfortable in the car itself, and that to me speaks of a larger discomfort with his position. Not to get too psychological, but that seems pretty obvious that he's just not in a good spot right now. And I don't know whether that goes back to that break point moment in the season where we thought, well, check was going to be the obvious number two right. all the time. Right. Or, or there might even be a battle for number one this year between the two. That was right. a, a hype. A, I think wishful thinking. And the last, I believe in the last five races, like in our last six races, he's had one podium. I do like, like that. Um, I think as a response to a like previous Mercedes drama and B like current, Red Bull and and other team drama, Mercedes after Lewis hit Russell and took himself out of the race on Sunday, Mercedes was like, everything's fine. We're going to post an Instagram of of all the buddies hanging out together. (laughs) And I do think you're seeing that as a direct response to like the bad things that are happening with some other teams and, and their drivers not getting along. I don't think an Instagram post is going to fix it. Just just a, a little suspicion. Based on everything I've seen this week, I don't think it's going to fix the world. I definitely don't think it's going to fix what's going on with Red Bull. Um, Will it fix Betty barking? 
No, no. But you know what she said? She's saying we're out of time, which is true. Oh, we're out of time. Out of time. That's our time limit. Uh, thank you, Jessica, Santana. Uh, thank Thanks, you Spencer. Spencer. On production. Thank you for you for listening and uh thanks to martin brundle for giving us enough enough to talk about for like 30 minutes so this yeah. has been dnf uh we will see you next week oh we'll see you next week all right y'all i gotta get to the full cast